Season 2, Episode 3, Sports Banter. You got Mr. Peanut, and you also got... The Polar Bear, baby. Whoa. Yeah, we got some shit to talk about. What a weekend. I am excited on one end, analytical on another end, and let's just jump right in. <laughs> Something I've been talking about on the podcast... Look, it's been a ridiculous Since year, the podcast started, this has been <laughs> I have a subject been, matter. I have been in a basement, <laughs> chipping away, trying to get this man fired. And the other man fired as well. I'm talking Bears, of course. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, GM, head coach, gone, gone. Before I jump in with everything I got, which you know there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> Look, tr- hold on. It's been, it's been such a war of two years. Four years of them being in charge, but the last two years especially oh, yeah. have been a lot. So viewpoint on that as an outsider looking in. Based off of Mr. Peanut's just uh, <laughs> excitement, but also the turmoil that you've gone over, and as a uh, as a non Bears fan, as as I've learned through Mr. Peanut's uh, lifestyle, this <laughs> for the Bears fan, this was Christmas all over again. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> as a outsider fan of the Bears, I've seen that organization is just. With what they've had for the past, I don't even know how long they've had those two guys in... Four years. They've had four seasons. That fucking sucks. And my go-to thing is always give a guy three, four seasons, get them kind of acclimated, and you know what? As a fan, you went through hell, (laughs) but you got to see, right? I mean, you got to see... 100%. Exactly, because... Imagine if that was it and he they got rid of both those guys after one season. You'd be like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. You know? whether However that season went. So, in quick shot, I'm happy for Bears fans. I'm worried about other teams that look at those two guys and go, hey, you know, maybe we can take them. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can fix them. Exactly. Especially and, Maggie. Yeah. Oof. And it's just happy for the Bears fan. Fan base worried for the team because where's the direction going to go in? And that's what's great, ownership going great, to do? So great segue. Yeah, because I mean, that's so. First, Matt Nagy's gone. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> I have been wanting that since. Is this is a Chicago podcast, or this is a sports this podcast. This is <laughs> heavily based on my torture as a Bears fan. <laughs> The people need to know. It's not an easy life, man. No, it's not. You, you. I don't know in, how Doc's done it. You he's live sixty-four in... years old. He's seen one championship, and the more as I get older, I'm starting to unpack like what is wrong with this organization, which I'll get into. But Matt Nagy's gone. That offense has been horrible for years, and that was his main thing. So, you know, just like his asinine approach of we're just going to keep continue mm-hmm. running this and never change based on anything really bothered me his just i don't understand you know if the if the average person the average fan in chicago can see an issue that's going on in the field and then you're the guy it's the football guy who's in charge of yes. what's going on and you can't make that simple change that's just you cra- gotta get the fuck out it's just crazy to me so that's a lot of the stuff that goes on with Nagy, and then you know never admitting mistakes great guy Awesome guy. Probably an awesome guy to have a beer with, but I can't have you as my head coach of the football team. So, and then, you know, the GM is wrong by default because the Bears just weren't winning. And this is a win business. You're judging the wins and losses. 
last three years have been brutal. We had the first year they were together. I thought we had, we could have some. We could have someone here. See, um, we won the division, the double doink. Yes, all that. But the last three years, zero offense, zero, you know, good contracts. We have some young talent, but there's no, there's nothing I can see as a fan that makes me excited for to the come. future. Which drives me to so now they're gone. And it, in a way, they're kind of like the scapegoat to this because of the organizational mm, dysfunction. I agree with you there. That I witnessed when the Bears chairman, George McCaskey, uh, he did an interview or press conference, excuse yes. me, yesterday addressing the Bears media. And virtually what he said, I mean, it's like an hour long. I could really dive in. That would be its own episode. <laughs> But really what I am understanding is like this guy doesn't see a problem with how they make decisions, how they're set up as an organization. And it's almost like, okay, we're just going to do the same thing again. Just We're just going to pick two new guys and like hope for the best. And that goes back to what we've talked about in previous episodes in Sports Banter is the fact that these organizations get stuck in this, it's my way or the highway. We're sticking to the thing that's quote-unquote worked and they're not willing to take risks or I'll say risks on someone new or really I think the big issue and I've, I've been actually thinking about this and this is very similar to like the Bears organization because of you're worried about what the future is going to hold and something that I've been thinking about again I'm just a guy in a room but <laughs> um, is how quick those positions need to be filled and I don't think NFL organizations actually have a team looking and diving into scouting those coaches, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I think, I mean, look at the Broncos, right? They're all over the board with hi- trying to hire a new head coach. They're all over that board. But do you have a team or an organ or a, a, a subdivision in your organization that's going, you are our coaching staff and general manager team. Like, you're hiring them. That is the exact criticism that is against George McCaskey because he himself in that press conference goes, I'm not a football evaluator. I'm just a fan. And then in the next sentence goes, this new GM's reporting to me when he's hired. So I'm going, is this like the Twilight Zone? I mean, he just said he's not a football evaluator, but then you're going to bring in a guy who is a football evaluator, and he's supposed to report to you, the fan. Yeah, what is that interview so, process like? <laughs> I'm just like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. Like, yeah. And to me, this was my analysis of it. He is... So, Virginia McCaskey was George Hallis's wife. Like, yep. That's who... Like, that's the hierarchy of the Bears, like, to a T. George Hallis was a legendary coach, passed down to Virginia, passed down to George, who's her son. And my viewpoint is, like, this guy has never known anything else except, like, one day you're going to be in charge of the Bears organization because it's a family-run business. Yes. So, like, this is what you're going to do. You have no choice in the, the matter. Yeah. So it's not like somebody like, let's say us, who is super passionate about yeah, the, sport. Uh, the sport and, like, and people who are in the NFL world, MLB world, who are in these positions, like, you work your entire life to get in this position you go through various failures, triumphs, and you work your way up, and that's how you end up in that job. Not yeah. just 
and it's your passion. Like you want to be the guy that makes these right decisions, not just because you're a descendant of someone who used to make those right decisions. Yeah. So the fact that he doesn't know what's going on is not surprising to me. What is surprising is his lack of willingness to say, hey, like maybe it is something wrong with me. I've been here 11 years. We've won three years and I need help. Like that would be the right thing to do for sure. It's accountability number two. And that's what makes Bear fans so upset. The accountability factor of the highest powers in this organization is not there. And it's just more of the same. And it's with the idea of George over here going, okay, well, you guys are not in ownership, so you don't know anything. Meaning like talking about former players not involved in anything. Um, and he just, there's a separation of powers between the guys on the field and ownership. And the one key story I wanted to put out there was Olin Kurtz center, Pro Bowl center for at least 10, 10 plus years of the Bears. Yes. You know, put his blood, sweat and tears on the line for Chicago, for the Bears. Just a phenomenal alignment for the organization, team captain, you know, the whole nine. So he comes out. Uh, in the off season, I think, or a little before, and was like, uh, the Bears, because they're talking about the same thing, the organizational disaster, pretty, yeah. or the discrepancies within which are yeah. why the Bears are not successful. He retired, and the Bears offered him a camp job for $15 an hour, which is so disrespectful for, this is a billion-dollar team, number one, and for a guy that has has that much experience as a pro athlete on the offensive line, like you're going to welcome him back for $15 an hour. So that's one thing. They brought that up in the press conference with George McCaskey. Oh, wow. And he said, you know, you have to basically shaking his head and saying you have to take, or I've learned to take everything that Olin says with a grain of salt, questioning his character as if he's lying about Oh, that's great. Yeah. As if he's lying about this story. Instead of being... And then just the way he answered the question is like you you hear the separation of ownership, players, and there's the lack of respect there. And, uh, you know, instead of the simple answer of, you know, I'm not aware of that uh, discussion. I wasn't involved in those conversations. And if that is the case, like, I'd love to sit down with him and talk about it and get that right because he's a valued... Uh, member of the Chicago Bears community, like that even, would be a that's a leader even, instead of, you know, you're you're questioning his character, you're saying he's a liar when he has a lot of respect amongst the Bears fans and players. Well, even if I'm hearing that, and let's just say I'm in George's position, let's say that did happen. Even as a fan, him coming out and saying, you know what, that was in the past. I want to readdress that. I made a mistake. Like. Right. As a fan base, like you said, accountability. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's funny you bring that up because when you talk to, I brought it up last week, like during our podcast, was the you know the Raiders organization is a family owned is a family owned organization, and if you talk to every past current Raider, all of them say, "I love the Raider organization. Mm-hmm. I love that it's a." Fa- they took care of me. I mean, that I, I, that goes to show the successful organizations in the NFL versus unsuccessful. And it's crazy that those unsuccessful organizations 
are still being run like the Bears. Mm-hmm. It it's just it's a it's a tornado of a, tornado of shit essentially, and it's not it's not going to change unless ownership changes. And that's my that's my thing is he doesn't. There's nothing within George McCaskey that goes. You know, he watches that whole Bears season as all of us do, and goes, "I have to change something within myself for next year to be better." Really, he's like, "Okay, uh, it must be Nagy and the GM, and I'm gonna get two other guys in here, and like they'll figure it out." And Fuck then no. <laughs> it that's. I mean, it's just such a. It works on. It's such a lack of accountability, which yeah. I am now understanding is why the Bears are where they are. It. Like, the head coach and GM, yes, they have a massive responsibility, and I hate Matt Nagy's offense, but who's hiring these guys? What's the process of hiring these guys? Yeah. What is the division of power that you've uh, created? Yeah, I agree. And if that, over time, you know, the Bears have won once in 1985, which I've mentioned a million times, but it's like, if you continue the same cycle of decision-making and hiring process... Um, what's going to change? You're right, and uh, it's <laughs> we're just two guys, and in a that's room, the man. most disappointing, yeah, fucking thing to me. <laughs> but I think it's because I think you know as we've progressed with our understanding of sports, especially football, but also diving deeper into that business aspect side of of football and all sports, but getting a true understanding of what is in place to position your team to be successful from an interview side. Like like I said, I, I'm I don't know. I don't know what teams go through. I know there's an interview process and that's it. But and I know there's many there's many steps to the interview. You know, they're filing people down. But is there is there like a you know a risk management team that's working like, hey, you know, Mr. Peanut versus the polar bear, one's got a better record, but one's better with players, one's got a better mm-hmm. you know One's more consistent here and with that. And it's just, you know, it just, it, it's an, it bothers us as fans because we don't know it, but it kills us because whatever they are doing is unsuccessful. Correct. And it's, it bothers us as fans because we want to know what the steps are. And, you know, it's funny you talk about this because who's holding, who's holding those guys accountable, right? the owner of the team essentially right but that's on the in the bear side of things like it's a family run business so i mean it's your family it's like how i don't know in a a family run business like who is really really gonna hold you accountable instead of like you're the top accountable right (laughs) you're you're two like different people though you know and then you have a business relationship it's not a family relationship invested Mm mm-hmm I buy this shit to support you, bro. <laughs> it's all over the place. and Yeah, and my bottom line with the McCaskey situation is his like his attitude toward ex-Bear players oh has God. to change. Yeah, because, dude. I mean, those, that is the organization. Like, there is no revenue without the guys on the field. That's your marketing department. So, I'm, like, I, it, it, PR baffles, everything. it baffles me that you wouldn't want to have a better relationship with the guys going to, like, to war for you. I maybe it's, agree. maybe it's because he's so like he's grown up through it. Like I said, where it's just like a normal everyday thing where you don't really understand like what these guys are going through each week for you. But I mean, any 
successful business and ownership group you would have to imagine has a phenomenal relationship with their players because they yeah. understand what it takes to be successful in the NFL. Good story there. Yeah. But uh, the most surprising fire by far to this point, um, before we get into that, but just quickly, Joe Judge got fired like an hour ago, and that was genius. No shit? Yeah. I did not know that. No, he, he had to go. And I, Are I you fucking kidding me? Did I haven't he? like really followed the Giants except for them being awful. But, like, he, he was doing too much. And that's all I wanted to talk about. Well, that. just, okay, when you <laughs> talked about it, you got to talk about it now, bro. <laughs> so, Joe Judge, because I've, again, I have no football team. I don't follow, so I try to, I try to watch everybody kind of, you know, sparingly. Your sports band's your correspondent. Yeah, exactly. And Joe Judge is a... Bananas. The guy was drunk every time he went to the field. I mean, the guy had... And don't get me wrong. The Giants are not, like, a Super Bowl contender. They're not a divisional playoff contender. They they are not... No, they are not they're set up. They're an awful up. team. They are not set up. They need another 15 years to figure their shit out. <laughs> and... 15. Joe Judge, just based off of his play calling, just... I mean... If you looked at social media, you know, just ESPN, everybody, it, it sounds like the shitstorm, if you will, around the Giants is immense. It's bad, yeah. And players are saying that you've lost the locker room. Once you lose the locker room, you're done. You got to go. And play calling, I mean, dude, he had no idea. He, what he had, did not have much going for him. No. And that's that's it. We're done with that. Yeah. But now. Now onto the most surprising, uh, as I said before, most surprising fire bullshit. made no sense to us. It certainly made no sense to me. I saw your post about it. So jump in. His face is distraught. Not a Dolphins guy. He just said, has no team. But he's distraught. What do you got? Brian Flores getting fired from Miami, Miami is one of the... Puzzling. Most puzzling. I'm not even calling it puzzling. I'm calling it one of the most just atrocious things I've ever seen come out of a team. I mean, Brian Flores has, I believe it's his fourth season in Miami. He's, to me, I think... I don't I, even know if it was that long. I believe he had four seasons. Okay. I think I may have, I don't know if, did I text you or I may have texted someone else where I said, he has, Brian Flores himself and his coaching staff, because I'm, I'm, again, big team guy, me, Mr. Polar Bear. Brian Flores has positioned the Miami Dolphins to be a team that teams finally need to prepare for with how successful he's run that. He's got his guys working together. He's got guys that are just playing the way he sees a team to be played and to be a contender. And the fact that you fired a guy that, in my eyes, finally gave Miami Dolphins respect in the NFL again. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long? Uh, Chad Pennington didn't he play for the fucking? He played for the Jets, and then I think he played for the I, Dolphins. I mean, let's put it just <laughs> just name that a horrible quarterback. Chad Pennington was not good, and I mean that. I didn't the, expect us to talk about Chad Pennington. Well, though. I mean, dude, that that just shows you who the Dolphins are, right? right? I mean, yeah. their team has just been. So bad for so many years, and then finally 
you get Brian Flores involved, and he finally starts chipping away at that. Yeah, at the at everything, at the division, at what his team can do. I mean, to me, I flat out that was a dumb move by Miami. Well, I think the easiest thing to be like, I was gonna say concerned. Well, I guess you would be concerned if you're a Dolphins fan, but to me, I'm just confused by it. You're yeah. you're one in seven at one point, and you go, "Wow, Dolphins are just an atrocious team," and you're like, "Okay, they're a bad team. They're one in seven." That's, Miami. That's pretty They're much. Miami. That's pretty much like that's your identity. They come all the way back and finish the year at nine and eight, and you're going, "Wow!" I mean, must be a pretty well coached team, or they must get up to play for him, or it's an easy schedule. Whatever it is, you ended up not like the Lions' record. You didn't end up with like the fourth pick. You know, you like barely missed the playoffs after just a horrendous start. So like having Flores when that news came out that he was fired, I was. Like what? Why would like what is what more does the Dolphins ownership want the coach to do? If anything, it should be like wow, like thank you, yeah, like thanks for not cashing in the season, I and thanks for agree. getting the locker room to a point where we were still playing competitive football. Um, I mean the marquee win that stands out to me is they beat the Ravens, who had Lamar Jackson at the time, were a good football team at the time at home. Did nobody thought they were gonna win that game. Um, you know, you'd have to look at the numbers based on like who they actually beat, and maybe it is trash teams, but a win is a win in the NFL. So, and to be the, honest, I mean, with Tua Tagovailoa, yeah, and they're not a great team. No, and so that's what nine and eight is like. That's what kills. That me. is probably the peak of that team's yeah. potential. So to put it all on Brian Flores, and to think like with him out, we're in a better position than we were yesterday. Absolutely not. Is incorrect. I'm. I'll say that. I'll stand on that hill. I'll die on that hill. Yeah. That's incorrect. Because a play, what the people in the, you know, Ivory Tower has failed to realize is you're playing, like, the relationship you have with the head coach is, like, important. It's very important. Fuck yeah, it is. Because if you like the guy, then you're going to continue to play, even if you're one in seven. Um, so to end with a winning record, and clearly the guys like playing for him. Yeah. And to still fire him anyway just shows the ownership issues in Miami. And like you said, the Chad Payton days are back, I guess. <laughs> because, in my opinion, too, is not a great player. No. So, you know, I don't. I see the Miami either stepping to the side or going right back down. But Brian Flores is going to coach somebody else because he had a good year coaching. I would be throwing money at him. I loads oh, yeah, of money. I'm hoping, kind of hoping he ends up on the Bears, to be honest with you. I would be, if I was any team that was, like Broncos, right? They need a coach. I would be yeah, throwing. That'd be a good fit. I, I mean, he he will find a fit somewhere. Like, yeah. he is a fit for somebody. because Heaps he just, of money He had a him. good year. He it's had, like when, uh, Jesus Christ, this is brutal. But when the Chargers okay. uh, fired Marty Schottenheimer after... What are we, 14 and 2? No, let's not talk. That's, that's but, a. But that is. That's solder in the wound. That there. is a all time awful hire. Yeah. Just because of the GM's bad relationship with him. But if you talk to any of the Chargers players, they're like, yeah, Marty was our guy. Like that. We had a great team. And I'm not saying they're on the same level. I'm saying it's a similar type of firing, though. It's when, the exact same type of firing. You know, the Dolphins are not the, the that Charger team, but it's that it's the guy that you want to play for, though. What you're getting at, and as past players... Individual 
problems, qualms, and whatever it goes on in between the, the lines of personality, like I don't like you as a person or whatever, should not matter if you're the guy making the decision of hiring or firing a guy. I agree. AJ Smith 1,000% fired Marty Schottenheimer because he didn't like him. Exactly. And he's like, okay, he lost in the playoff game. This is my out. And I think it's probably a similar situation in Miami because there's no way you can look at that season um, from an objective mindset and go he didn't he like he had a bad year of coaching he yeah did. i mean <laughs> a, I think let's put it this that. way joe judge deserves to be fired brian flores <laughs> does not and i think what i think a big thing that you're kind of talking about and i completely agree is the fact that brian flores has a team that started what what did you say one and nine one, one and seven. seven yeah you you had the drive but also the commitment to bring your team together and to say, we will finish the season together and we will mm-hmm. go through this. Look at the Raiders. The Raiders right. have gone through so much shit. They don't even have a head coach. And their <laughs> team has gotten closer. And look at what they did on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the Brian Flores, I agree. He, any team that goes at him needs to make a very strong move. And you know what's really nice about Brian Flores is he's kind of have kind of open table saying yep. where do I want to go yeah where is the team that's going to commit to me and mm-hmm. let me grow my team to follow me because my big thing is and you and I both love I mean we're athletes we competitors things like that but as a coach if you cannot have your team follow your direction and you're able to lead those guys your team is gone which is a perfect example with the Bears they were out Bears were out. Giants. Giants players were out on Joe Judge. With Brian Flores, you have your team, Miami, dialed in, going behind him saying, I'll run through a fucking wall for Mm -hmm. this dude. And uh, Miami made, said it, meant it. Miami is going to, they are biting themselves in the ass with this. And it sucks.